welcome to Drinking With Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the always amazing Bo Lake. And our guest today is Patrick Dugan. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, yay. First of all, I love your shirt. I'm not going to tell anybody what it says. They have to watch the YouTube. But let's talk about (laughs) what we're drinking. Teasers. That's a teaser. Okay. I am drinking my Pacific Rim Sweet Riesling. Um, I decided that it's early afternoon and I need a crisp refresher for this afternoon. Um, Bo, what are you drinking? I am just drinking a Coke Zero because it's, as you said, it's pretty early in the day and uh, I have meetings till very late. So I got to be energetic. Okay. I like it. What about you, Patrick? What are you, uh, what are your libations? That's my big word of the day. Libations. My libations are uh, usually beer. So today I am drinking Southern Tier Vanilla Scoop. Ooh. You can see it. Yeah. So uh, it is pretty fantastic. Very cool. Okay. So we can see some of your gorgeous covers, but for the audience listening, what is it that you write? in spec fiction, pretty much everything except horror. Um, so I have dystopian superheroes. I have cyberpunk heist books set in the world of fairy. I have steampunk mixed with magic. And my newest release that comes out on the 5th is Sword and Sorcery. Uh, D&D ask it's Cowboy Bebop meets The Witcher. Wow, that sounds incredibly fun. I love that. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a fun story. Where did you get started? Um, so I actually started writing back when I was a kid. Um, and then in college, I was a genetic engineering major and decided that maybe I wanted to be an author instead. So I took a course with a uh, pretty well-known author as the teacher. And at the end, he told me that I had no talent to stay in science. So I took his advice for a while, (laughs) but, uh, But I was always writing something. I just never wanted to pursue it because I didn't think I was any good at it. So um, finally, you know, 20 years later, I sat down and said, I'm just going to write a book. And if it's terrible, it's terrible. And if it's not, hey, that's great. So I wrote Stormforge, which was my first novel that I sold. Um, And so that was um, where it all started for me. Uh, It was published in 2018. Wow, very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm sorry you went through that. Some, uh, You know, it's one thing if somebody gives you specifics, like you need to work on your grammar, you need to work on your prose, you need to work on descriptions. There are so many technical things with writing that absolutely give advice, but to go stick with science, ugh, I don't love that at all. No, so, I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> had a anyway. lot of authors say stuff like that too. Like somebody has come in and said like a really horrible thing to them and that's kind of uh stop their career for a little bit and then they pick it back up yeah and i think that that can happen in artists in general well you know what Mm -hmm. i mean any sort of art it's um it's such a delicate part of the makeup of who we are that we forget how easily it can be trodden upon you know Mm -hmm. like it's just, it's, I'm very prolific today. Well, um, <laughs> it's the wine, obviously. But no, I think that it, we forget how easy it is in something that is not 
um, a skill that's sort of something we need to have for a job or we need mm -hmm. to have for something, um, it's very easy if it's something we're passionate about to kill it, right? Mm -hmm. So where did you get your first story idea? Were you a gamer? Where, where did all that fun come from? Uh, so Stormforged, uh, my son, Nicholas, was obsessed, and that's not even a strong enough word, with Power Rangers. And so we were on, you know, like our 80th day of nonstop Power Rangers, and I was washing dishes, and it was going, and I found it, I was just thinking, I'm like, you know, if I would lived in Angel Grove, I would either move or I'd kick the Power Rangers out because I'm tired of them trashing the city in every episode. And then I started thinking, well, that's the same thing with superheroes. So then I, this kind of idea came up of, you know, what would happen after the superheroes who were all powerful lost? And how would that be to be one of the people who had a gift but couldn't use it because you were deemed a menace or an outlaw? And so I started kicking around that idea um, and it kind of took a life of its own and came up with Stormforged. So uh, it follows Tommy as he's trying to navigate high school and being bullied, but he's got a collar on, so he doesn't even know what his power is. He was, they test all kids when they're five. And so oh. he doesn't know. And so all he knows is he's got, he's bad and everybody, you know, all the normal kids in school, um, harass him mercilessly and then he realizes his dad's going to be killed on reality tv so he decides he's got to figure out a way to get him out oh wow so that, God, there's that's levels levels to this and levels and levels but i actually love that concept because i have to say it's one of the things i loved about hancock was um i didn't read the comic book it was based mm -hmm. on i did read watch the show the movie and that was one of my favorite things because they did that a little bit in Avengers too, where they talked about the amount of damage that mm -hmm. the Avengers had done and the lives that were killed. And I, it's so funny, but I don't think I ever even myself thought about that until uh, I saw something. So it's so funny that you came to that realization watching this because it's so true. We're like, oh, look at this cool thing. And they threw a tanker truck and did this thing. But then you're like, they literally just blew up infrastructure in the city. Like, you know how in love would people be with that after a little bit of time what a, what about the guy who owns the tanker truck how is he feeling <laughs> well it's like incredibles with uh you know superheroes are put out of business because of insurance claims you know um <laughs> you know but this was i always tell people this is what happens after the boys um mm. because people just get fed up you know with um in one of the main characters um on the normal side of the world um his wife and child were killed when one of the um one of the superheroes grabbed the bus she was on and used it to crush you know another you know villain and killed her in the process and so you know it became as his mission to to take them down so he thinks he's a patriot so he he you know he just berates this poor kid but he thinks he's doing it for the the common good not because he's a bad person well, it's, I think that's what makes um, uh, bad guys the best is when they think that they're the hero of their story. I think yeah. when people yeah. don't write their bad guys to be the hero of their own version of the story, because mm -hmm. there are some people that are just evil and you can write a really evil 
evil bad guy. I, I think one of the greatest examples I saw of this is in the sort of truth series. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is a, a bad guy in the first one that's a pedophile and all this other stuff, right? And he was written where he's just terrible, mm-hmm. right? Like a terrible, not good, nosy's bad human being that just has evil things. But a lot of times people try to write bad guys with this sort of like humanizing aspect without making it so that they're the hero of their own story, right? Right. They're more just like this tool to have the good guy have a reason to be being heroic. That's weird. Okay. So when you first published, how did you publish? So I published through Falstaff Books in Charlotte. Um, So I had shopped um, Stormforge for a couple of years and the publisher, John Hartness, um, had read an early version of Stormforged and he loved it. And he was like, you know, this could be the next Harry Potter, go sell it. And so... Um, and it was right after the big push for our, um, like, Hunger Games and, um, you know, drawing a blank on the other name, um, you know, all the other, you know, uh, YA kind of um, dystopian novels were coming out. Diversion, that's what it is. Divergent. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't had enough beer. Um, <laughs> so, um you know, I really thought, and then Brandon Sanderson came out with his um, kind of take on superheroes. And so I was like, oh, this is great. Um, part of the problem is what I've been told by many, many librarians and school teachers is they always love the fact that Tommy is male because in YA, it's almost exclusive female. And in urban fantasy, it's almost exclusively female protagonists. So, you know, they're like, we don't have good male role models to give to boys to read in in middle and high school. Um, And I was kind of writing it for my son. So that's why I kind of went that route. No, that totally makes sense. So how many books have you published so far then? Uh, With Ashen Orb, that'll be my ninth. I have two more novellas in the same series coming out in October and November. And then I have a new urban fantasy called Nexus Witches that's coming out next year. So that'll be um, 12. Wow. So running now on fire with this. Yes. So that's that's awesome. Um, where do you find all your inspiration? Um, I just have an overactive imagination. And so a lot of times something will just trigger me. Um, I was, you know, um, for this series, it was, I love the witcher and so in cowboy bebop is my all-time favorite anime and i was like you know the witcher kind of hits on it a little bit where they pay him to kill the monsters but i was like what if there was actually like a bounty system you know for um for these adventure groups and so i started kind of kicking that idea around and came up with uh shadow blades which is the the um ashen orb first book in the shadow shadow blades chronicles um and so it really was um, it kind of just started from that kind of love of those of those properties and then kind of putting my own twist on everything um, to make it it's a really it's a fun fun fast-paced read so very cool Bo this is me not uh taking <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, so you've said you've written a bunch of different spec f- fiction uh in a bunch of different genres which genre has been your favorite I, it's like picking my favorite child. Um, <laughs> actually, I really, um, 
I love the cyberpunk heist. Um, I thought that was, and that was technically to date the hardest book I've written um, because it's got six POV characters in the, the team that's doing the heist. And so it's constantly shifting between it. And um, it's set in a world where uh, all the hidden people from around the world, all the mythological creatures all left earth because of humans and went to their own dimension and created their own world. And so um, in Hub, which is the city it's set in, it's 13 dragon clans rule everything. And so the where the title comes from, you never steal from dragons because they will find you and eat you. So um, my dragons, though, actually start off as whelplings, you know, the little tiny dragons, but then they actually morph into a human-esque form. And then it, when they fully molt, they turn into what we know as a classic dragon. So they're bipedal for the majority of their life. So it's a really interesting take. Um, each of my, what I did was for each of my mythological creatures, I took one aspect from the myths and legends and made that like fact and then everything else was just conjecture on all the other races' parts. So, like, mm -hmm. uh, my Kitsune um, Salai is um, the co ultimate con artist. She can spin her tails around herself and it turns her into whoever she has met and is practiced turning into. So, she can be anybody. So, they're kill on sight because, you know, who in the hell wants to, you know, leave people who can, like, basically rip you off because they can spam anybody, um, mm -hmm. you know. Gelsey is my pixie thief. Nix is my elven hacker. I have a Nagulin, uh, who's the jaguar uh, man who's out of Aztec. Um, so that was just a lot of fun. A lot of research, but just a lot of fun to write and just real fast paced. Um, just really fun story. How did you approach researching for a heist? Um, so <laughs> I actually, I watched Leverage to death. <laughs> So the idea actually came because Lee Barduga's um, Six of Crows duology, absolutely love. I think it's one of the best books ever written. And I was like, I really want to write a heist book, but I am not going into her sandbox because I do not want those comparisons. So I started thinking about it and I was like, well, you know, my kind of my kind of goal with all my books is to take what you expect from the trope and flip it upside down and then mix it in the blender and then pour it out and hope it comes out good. So um, that was much more fun than um than just trying to do another fantasy heist and not steal from lee so um that's kind of where that came from i have a question for you i, I was hoping you were going to say you just rewatched all the oceans movies because i think if you're gonna <laughs> pull off a heist that's definitely one way to approach it obviously um <laughs> But let's talk a little bit about, um, I, I'm curious when you put all these books out, you talked to how interested your son is. What was that reaction like when, when you published them? Uh, by then he was a teenager, so <laughs> a lot less than you would think. Um, I actually, when I was writing the book though, it, you know, I would read to him before he'd go to bed. So I would read chapters to him as I finished him. And so he was my first reader. And so, what was, did he give a lot of feedback? He did, um, mostly about how I wasn't using slang correctly. And, <laughs> you know, dad, people don't say it anymore. Oh, wow. So, um, so I'm like, so critical. A, I'm like, it's in a fictional world, but he loved it. And um, it was really funny because I had finished the first draft. And uh, one of the characters, Marcel, is my computer nerd. And, 
um, Nick was reading and he goes, you know, that's my best friend, right? And I'm like, what? And I went back and read it and I had literally put his best friend in is Marcel um, because they spent so much time at our house. I would pick up without even intending to, I'd pick up how they talk to each other and it just ended up on the page. So I actually changed Marcel's description to be the same as his best friend so that, you know, I was like, well, if it's going to be true to life, here you go. So, um, so that answers a question about absorbing characters into your story. Cause do you um, do that consciously as well? Like I, there are some people, I have a joke. There's a sign on the other side of that door that says novelist at work, um, a warning, I may kill you in the story because I write horror books and I do kill a lot of people, but I have found it cathartic for me sometimes for people for there are people in my life that you can kill in fiction and do terrible things to in fiction or do very nice things in fiction and give them happy endings and stuff that they maybe didn't already have. Do you find that you add people from your life into your stories? Oh, absolutely. Um, in Unbreakable Storm, uh, one of our best friends is very like loud and gregarious. And so um, I was, his dad had just passed away. And so they called, his last name's Lamb. And so they called his dad Goat because he was too tough to be a lamb. And so I came up with Dr. Goat, which was named after his dad, but was also, but based on him loosely. Um, so he doesn't deal drugs and all the stuff that Dr. Dr. Goat does. But um, yeah, I definitely, in in you know, the kind of the funny part is if you read my books and you know kind of the authors and friends that I hang around with, they all end up making appearances throughout all the books. Wow. Well, and I think that that's, you know, something that is fantastic, especially when they do, you tell them they're doing it or do they recognize it when they read it? It depends. Um, some people, um, we have a friend whose name is Dino, who is just we call him uh, author Santa Claus. He he comes to all the conventions. He always buys books and he doesn't keep them for himself. He actually gifts them out to everybody. So he he buys books from you and then gives them away, which is you know wonderful. He's just an amazing person. So in um, one of the Shadow Blades books, there's a dwarven archivist who is in charge of the archives of all of the magic weapons and all the magical gear that they the dwarves have collected. And so um, the guy the um, so it's based on Dino and his name is Dino in the book, but it's Dino Lapo, you know, like 12, you know, 12 syllables. And then they said, we just call him Dino. <laughs> and so, um, so there's a lot of that, you know, it's like, I like to give nods to the people, um, in my life that it really helped. My wife is warden in the, in the darkest storm series. And she's like, it doesn't say my name. I said, it doesn't, they don't ever call her anything but warden. So I said, I know who you are. <laughs> You're thanked in the beginning of some of the books. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Okay, Bo. Um, you kind of said that you don't write horror and you made a face. Why, why don't you like horror? Why don't you, what, what makes you not want to approach that genre? Let's roll back to the overactive imagination. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, when I read horror, you know, I relive it when I go to bed. <laughs> so, mm. so it just is not my thing. It's like, and you know, I just like, 
I always want, you know, I do terrible things to my characters as it is without having to add in the the uh, horror aspect. I just, my brain doesn't work that way. And I really just don't want to play in that playground and get it stuck in my head. So I just kind of leave it alone. I that makes sense. As two horror authors here, we <laughs> definitely tell you about that playground and that yeah. it's very much like dairy um, <laughs> with it in that playground. Um, what about uh, fan interactions? So let's talk about when when did you first go to conventions with your books? So um, 2018, when Stormforge came out, um, I started doing the con circuit. Um, you know, couple of you know, couple of year to start with. Now I do between ten and twelve. I think last year I did thirteen or fourteen. Um, so um, it's just you know I feel like it is the easiest and best way to get in touch with people face to face. And you know, because there's a million books, and you know, you look at Amazon, you scroll through, you know, you can scroll for the rest of your life and not cover all the books that are there. And so. I really, I love going to cons and I love meeting other authors and talking to them. But, you know, the best part of all of it, and I put it in the, the acknowledgements of every one of my books, is that without the the readers, you're nothing because there's no reason to write books if nobody's reading them. So to be able to actually thank them to their face, you know, sign their books, um, you know, talk about, you know, whatever they want to chat about, um, it's, just, it's just mind boggling that anybody would want to come and actually pick up something I I wrote and read it. And then even better when they come back and they're like, oh my God, I read that last year. I need the rest now. And it's like, okay, okay. You know, so um it's just, you know, it it makes all the, you know, writing's tough. And so as you guys know, in those interactions with people who love your work make it all worthwhile. Because if if all you got was criticism and rejections, you it'd be like, yeah, I'm done with this. Yeah, no, I mean, that's so true. We would be super done. I mean, like, hi, thank you for telling me all the terrible stuff. What is a really funny fan interaction that you've had? Oh, I think it was like my, I don't know, I think it was my second year of doing cons. And I was sitting at a table and um, my table mate, Darren, was sitting next to me. And we heard this ear piercing screech from the other side of the room. We're like, whoa. And then I realized this probably 13-year-old girl is racing across the room. And she comes running up and just about, like, she hits the table, just about knocks everything off. She's like, oh, my God, you're here. You're my favorite author of all time. I read. And her mom comes up and she's like, she's like, we need the other two books. She's like, she came out and she's read it at least six times. She's like, every time she reads it, she comes out to tell me what's happening in the book. She's like, we need the next two. I was like, okay. She's like, seriously, you're my favorite. Oh my God. And it was just like, kind of like, whoa, high energy. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was, you couldn't, you know, dream up that stuff. It was funny though, because she scared the crap out of us. <laughs> oh, I could see why that would scare the crap. But I also love that that happened because I think that sometimes we're behind computers and for authors that don't go to conventions and stuff like that, um, I always say, you know, you should go to conventions, fan events of some kind, because you never really know unless um, your uh, fans and stuff decide to email you the impact you're having in their lives. And mm -hmm. seeing it, 
I think like seeing that one moment, regardless of anything else that could have happened at the convention, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you sold one book, but seeing that interaction is enough like jet fuel to us to go, we're on the right path. We're doing the right thing. And that's why I always tell people, don't be afraid to walk up to authors and to interact and talk to them and stuff. We're, I feel like we're some of the most humble people in general because, you know, what we, we, we love that. Okay. Bo, final question before break. What has been your weirdest fan interaction at a con? Let's see. Weirdest. Um, I wasn't really a fan. I had a lady walk up to me and I explained my books and then she picked up one of my steampunk books and said, steampunk is only for old men to feel relevant. And she said, don't walk away. I was like, <laughs> like, thank you. Okay, it was just kind of bizarre. I was like, did I irritate you somehow? So that, that you was been like, one. there's other books here. Not all <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> oh my God. Um, that's weird. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break because um I think we've all had stuff like that. I've, I love it when you can tell they didn't listen to what you actually said. They asked you, they didn't listen, and then they say some weird, obscure thing and walk away, and you're like, <laughs> You weren't what? you weren't even listening to what I said. Okay, that's cool. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, we will be right back with drinking with authors. Hey listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series and Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. And we are back. Okay, so Patrick, what are you working on now? Um, right now, I'm in edits for um, the next two Shadowblades books, and then I've started a new novel in a new world um, that's called Ode of the Crypt, um, and it is it follows a girl whose name's Ode, and she is the person who works at the Temple of Death who wraps bodies for burning, and they live in a world that is a Japanese-Egyptian kind of mashup that never stops raining, so... Poor people get thrown in the sea for sea monsters. Rich people get buried under the temple. Everybody else gets burnt um, at the temple to release their spirit back into you know, the tranquil gardens. And so um, she realizes that there's somebody is murdering people and they all have a, a specific mark. So she knows that something's going on. And so she's trying to figure out um, who's doing the killing and tr- decide she's going to stop them. That is creepy as hell. Where the hell did that idea come from? I'm going to tell you and you're going to laugh. Probably not. You should see where we get our ideas to kill people. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. So I was getting a massage. 
and okay. was rubbing my feet. And she kept wrapping that she had these towels and she wrapped my feet in the hot towels, which felt really nice. But then I was like, I'm like, this is like being mummified. And then it just this idea just popped in my head. I mean, like unbidden. I was just like, huh, I wonder what it would be like if you were the person who had to like mummify all these people. And then I was like, what if you had to burn them afterwards? <laughs> and just and so the whole <laughs> massage, it was just I this whole story was just coming to life in my head. And so it was like. I feel a little bad for your massage therapist. No, no oh. offense, but you're like laying there going, you know, what if this is how people were wrapped up when they died? And then they threw them in a fire. It's the whole time. They're like, is that it's always tension? raining? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's enough tension. There's mister in the room when you're getting massage. Okay. <laughs> so you have all of these worlds. Um, we talk about this a little bit on the show, but how do you keep track of all of this stuff in your brain? Do you have a world compendium? Like, what? how do you track all this stuff? So I use Evernote um, and I have a notebook for each world. And then I have every character and every place has their own note, you know, associated with it. And so as I'm writing, what I do is, you know, if I'm Right along, I'll get to the end of a chapter, and in theory, I go into Evernote and go through and detail out anything I said about any of the characters. What really ends up happening is I do four or five chapters, and then I'm like stuck on something, so I read back through and 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 put it in. And that way, my editor has it. So when she's like, "You said blue eyes here, green eyes here, and brown eyes here," she looks at the book Bible and says, "Oh, they have brown eyes," and so she goes back and tags all the places I was wrong. And so, um, so that's really because, you know, we're kind of working on a lot of different worlds and a lot of different genres. So it, it pays to have a place that you can go and kind of refamiliarize yourself before you jump back into the next book. Okay. And do you do that with the world guide? You don't like listen to your books or reread them? I do. Um, so I love the narrator I have for my books is fantastic. Um, his name is Will Walker. And I get goosebumps listening to them. They're so it's really funny when you're I don't know if you guys have listened to your own books. I'll be like, wow, that was a really good line. And I'm like, wait a minute, I wrote that. Um, I do in order when I in my series, I go and re-listen to it because mm -hmm. that's how I'm able to with chores and stuff, then go, okay, this is what I this is what I said, this is what I did. I mean, of course, if that that one series is only gonna end up being five books, which will be good because I'll be fine listening to that. If I had 30 books in the series, I'd be like, I have no fucking idea what's <laughs> happening. People come up to me and tell me parts of the books they like, and I'm like, Yeah, I love that. You're like, when did I do that? <laughs> and then I go control F later in the hotel and look up what the fuck they were talking yeah. about. <laughs> I didn't know. And so I do you encounter that when people bring up parts of the books to you that you're like, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. Um, not often, um, but I've got a pretty good memory. What my problem is, is names. They'll be like, oh, well, that character, you know, that guy. And I'm like, I got nothing. <laughs> it's like, I know I named him. I just, I can't remember to save my life. And so once, but if they're talking about things that have happened in the book, then I'm like, yeah, I, you know, that happened. And then this happened. It's like, yeah, I know where you are. So we're good. But um, yeah, sometimes in a lot of times people pick up on really obscure things and you're like was that in the book and then you're like you know, same thing it's like wait a minute 
Did I actually? No, that is exactly why I end up going to look because I have run into that situation, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's they're like, what? And I'm like, what frick are they talking about? You know, like, yeah, no, it's it's funny. Okay, Bo, question. Are are you an outliner or are you just like you just go? I just what's go. your process look like? You do? Yep. How do you do that with such a like in-depth world? Um luck. Uh, I just <laughs> luck. It, it it drives my wife crazy, honestly, because she is very meticulous when she writes. Mm-hmm. And like I wrote um Never Steal from Dragons in three weeks. And it's you know ninety thousand words and without an outline and just in basically it stayed the way the way I wrote it. well I I take that back I had written it originally with the the introduction chapters I had them all really short chapters and interspersed and my um, I sent after I finished it, I sent it to my editor and said what do you think of this and she's like oh my god I cannot keep track of any of these people she's like you need to spend more time with them and I'm like okay so I just took all the little piece parts and just jammed them back together. Um, but really that's kind of how I work. I just, in, um, you know, we laugh about, it cause literally I will wake up on and look at my wife and go, okay, I know what this book is. And I'll go sit down and just blast it out. And she's like, I don't know how you do that. I'm like, I don't either. I, but I'm glad I can. It just, it's just one of those weird, weird brain things for me. Um, I usually start off with a single idea. And then I kind of then my my big thing is I, I have my main idea that I want to start with. But then my first thing after that is who's my main character? And then it's what do they want and what stopping them? And, you know, so I kind of get that idea and then I will ponder it for a while. And then it's like, OK, I'm done. And then I just sit down and write. Do you ever get writer's block? Not usually. Um, during the, the dark times. Um, and it kind of ties back with our earlier conversation with doing conventions. I just didn't write, um, you know, unlike Brandon Sanderson who drops five books. Um, I just, I just could not write. It was, I was, you know, worried about my family and my friends and we had, we're losing people left and right. And it was just a really tough time. And I just basically checked out, you know, I just was like, it's, you know, it's hard to write, um, you know, when, when your world's upside down. Um, so, but, um, normally other than that, no, I usually, because the the thing is, you know, for as loose as I write, I'm very regimented about how I write. And so I, from seven to nine every night, um, Monday through Sunday is kind of my time to write. And so everybody knows that in the house and nobody bothers. As soon as the door shuts at seven o'clock until I walk out, nobody comes and bothers me. Um, they don't text me. I turn everything off. Um, I have three monitors, so I have Evernote up on one, my research screen on another, and my Scrivener file in the middle. And I just work for two hours. So I sit there for two hours. And some nights it's writing social media posts because I just like, I don't feel like writing this tonight. And I have this list of administrivia I need to do. But most nights it's, um, I sit down and I'm like, you know, two hours, 2,000 words, go. And I just go. And there are nights that I walk out at two in the morning and I've dropped, you know, 6,000 words. Cause once, once I started, I just go until in a lot of times what happens, I get to the middle of a chapter and I know exactly how to finish the chapter and I stop there. So tomorrow when I pick up, it's, it's 
fresh in my head, I just go, oh yeah, read the last couple paragraphs and then just keep going. So um, you set yourself up for success the next yeah. night. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a lot of the little, little uh, Jedi mind tricks that really help, I think, authors work through a lot of stuff. But being having a regiment um, and holding myself accountable to that has made a huge difference because, um, you know, Stormforge took me seven years to write. Um, Unbreakable Storm was like five months. Um, Storm Shatter was two and a half, but I thought I had six months on deadline and I only had two. Um, I'm missing that one by a little bit. Um, but the rest of them, it's just, I just sit down um, and write. And a lot of times, once I hit about that two thirds part, I will do like, I'll take a weekend and I will literally walk into my, close the door in my office Friday night at like five o'clock when I'm done with work and I will write until Sunday night um, and just knock out, you know, 10,000 words a day. Very cool. Like okay. Um, I think we should do some literary briefs, Bo. What do you think? Those are my favorite questions. Okay, we're going into literary too. briefs. Okay, we got music now. No, do I, we? I, yeah, we have music now that just played, and you don't know that because we don't do that part. But yeah. Um. Anyway, I hope it sounds cool. I've never I heard it. it. Sounds, I know, and whatever. Producers are the bomb. So, um. Okay, first question, Patrick. What is your favorite book of all time? Oh God. Um. I love that there's a pause because you said you listened to the show, so you know this is the question. I know, but it changes. Every day it changes. Um, I'm going to say Neuromancer, since I already called out Lee Bardugan. Okay, why? Um, It's a heist book. And I, you know, when I read it back when it first came out, it was like world shifting for me. Um, I'm a programmer by trade. And so reading Neuromancer and realizing like all the cyberpunk stuff, it basically termed our everything for the internet age um, was just amazing. And I read it over and over and find new things that I don't remember. And the idea of um, the dueling AI before AI was even a thing is just um, just remarkable to me. Very cool. Um, least favorite book. Oh. Um, it would be X Heroes by Peter. Why is that? Um, I he has a lot of books, and I know a lot of people love them. I just don't connect with the characters, um, which is you know part of a lot of Darkest Storm came out of reading um, Marvel for years and years, you know, since I was ten, and then just reading um, a lot of. I kept trying to find a good novelization in superheroes and it just always let me down so um because i don't i feel like most people use superheroes as the power with a person attached instead of a person that has a power i like that explanation that's really good goes to my bad guy thing love Mm -hmm. it holds in perfectly (laughs) what about your favorite book or uh, to movie tv show where do you think they did really really well witcher i i love the witcher i think they and uh, Cavill just nailed it. Um, he, um, you know, and it's funny to hear the stories from them shooting. Like they put him in this armor, you know, all pristine. He's like, ah. he's like, I'm out like 
in the wilderness and stuff, and he goes outside and throws himself in a dirt, you know, in a puddle and like starts rolling around to get the to get it grungy enough for for looking like it's warm. So I, thought I love that. Good. I'm sad that he's leaving that series. It it makes me super sad because yeah, me I as think well. you know his love of it. Also, you could I think you can see that sort of thing when people make shows when they really enjoy what they're making the show about right that they they love the characters or whatever even if it's a modification of whatever it is you can just tell them I, I anyway brilliant to me um okay what about least favorite where you think they did a terrible job um it's not uh well it is a book it's a manga um cowboy bebop the live action cowboy bebop i thought was horrible and the reason i thought and i i put this firmly on the writers because they tried to keep parts of the original storylines but not the you know they tried to like take the original storylines and then twist them around and i'm like either write the exact thing in live action from the from the anime or take the characters that we love and put them in a new situation don't try to retell the same story that because they were going to fail regardless um because you're never going to you just can't shoot the the type stuff that the anime can do because they're drawing it. And I just thought that the writing was really bad. And a lot of the choices they made, I thought was awful. Again, I kind of wonder who got a hold of that for a fan. And it's interesting because sometimes even when fans get a hold of properties and then make the stuff, I don't know whether it's studio intervention or it's just their perception of the story. They can still completely screw it up, but they're so thrilled with it. And you're like, is that because that's what you think that story was about? Right. <laughs> and maybe, of course, maybe I'm wrong with what the story was about, but I go, that that's what you decided to tell. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, questions. Oh, go, oh, sorry, Patrick, go no, ahead. I just think that it's um it was the writer's room. I think there were too many competing ideas and they were trying to not just redo the anime. So I mean, makes sense, right? Um, okay, Bo? What is your desert island book? Um, that would be Wheel of Time. Why? So, uh, well, it's 14 books, so, you know. <laughs> so it's long read. enough. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a lot to read. But, you know, Jordan's another one that you can read it over and over and over again, and you find stuff, different stuff all the time. And um, I was lucky enough to get him to meet him before he died. And, you know, it just amazes me because in book one, he mentions the Tower of Genji and it becomes a major plot point in book 14. And it's like, holy crap. You know, those are things that I don't tend to, to pull off as well, because unless I have the idea when I'm writing the first book, you know, it's like, oh, crap, I didn't put that in there. So. Yeah. What about. um if you could go into any mythological or, or sorry, any literary, literal, literary world. Oh my God, wine, hello. The wine. <laughs> um, uh, what, which one would it be? You know, I, I've been thinking about that one. Um, I actually like, um, so um, Modus um, Recluse series. I really love, and it's because he uses um, chaos versus order instead of good versus evil. And I find 
that world to be really super interesting as far as, you know, if you're living in recluse and everything is very ordered. And then, you know, people who don't quite fit in get kind of exiled out into the chaos world. Um, I just find that, like, there's so many great characters and so many great scenes in that book. I just really, I love, I, that's where I would go. I like it. Bo? I have a new question I just thought of right now. I like if, that. <laughs> if you had to go back and rewrite one of your books, which would it be and why? Uh, I would probably go back to Stormforged. It was my first book. Um, and I made some mistakes in Stormforged that kind of hamstrung me later on. And the other thing is um, some of the portrayals of a couple of the characters I think could have been stronger. And um, with Wendy and Tommy, um, I feel like I could have done a much better job now, like having more of an emotional tie between the two of them during the whole book. Um, just little things that, you know, I don't, I know that some people have mentioned them, but not, nobody's ever said like, I, I hated this book because, but they were like, well, I wish this had been more or this had been different. I'm like, yeah, me too. Um, but you know, that's the whole thing. It's like when you start off, you know, you're kind of winging a prayer, you know, it's like, you know, you're, and it's just like anything else. You know, if you look at anything you did a couple of years ago and look at it now with all the skills you've acquired, you're like, oh, I could do that better now. So, and I hope that, you know, my one goal for every book is that I get better in some aspect. So if you're reading along, you see the progression of me as an author and how much stronger my work has gotten over time. I think that's true with almost all authors. I think there's a very small percent that don't improve, but I think we all get better. And especially, you know, you have a fairly large body of work and another 10 books, you're going to have an even larger volume of work. And you go back and you look at book one. And I think we all go back and look at our previous stuff and go, oh, we should have done this differently. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even listening to the audiobooks, like to your point, I <laughs> that's go, why I can't listen to my audiobooks. Yeah, I I do, but I go, okay, I need to do this differently. You know, like yeah. I know this stuff I need to improve upon. Yeah, so. for me, um, I have I use the same editor for all my books now, and so you know she points out like you know you could be better in this area, you could be better, and so like each book I. I basically say like, this is what I want to work on in this book. So I want to be more conscious of, in this um, series, it's having more internal thoughts for my main character because it's deep PO, uh, deep third POV. So, you know, I did not, you know, so in edit, she was like, you really need to to have a lot more internal thoughts so that the, the it brings the reader into her, into her experience and not just um, you're not just getting a superficial read through. So that's that's what I've been working on in this series. And I think it's been really successful in book one and it's gotten better as the, the series goes. So very cool. Um, what about oh you you just shrunk suddenly on my screen. I was like, where did they go? It's fine. It's I I'm super pretty today. Um, what about your favorite flavor of ice cream? Ah, geez, it's usually mint chocolate chip, unless I'm at Cold Stone, and then I go for the uh, peanut butter chocolate. Um, they put real peanut butter in it. It's really good. Um, so, but the rest of the time, it's mint chocolate chip. Okay. And weird food combination. Um, 
See, none of it seems weird to me. Um, my dad. I, I mean the stuff because it doesn't seem weird to most of us. But I'm talking about the stuff people go. What are you eating like that? That's the the weird yeah. food combination. So my dad, growing up, always made uh, peanut butter and mustard sandwiches, and so they're actually really good. And every once in a while, I just get that kind of. I really want one of those. So that that's probably the weirdest thing. What kind of mustard though? French's. <laughs> Peter Pan peanut butter on white bread with French mustard. You know, the French's yellow mustard. I what can't even that? imagine it. What would it taste like? Yeah. It's kind of like tangy peanut butter. Okay. I, I think we're you all shocked us to silence. <laughs> you did. I was like, I'm trying, I was literally trying to envision what this would taste like. Cause one of my favorite things is pretzels with peanut butter on them. Yeah. Like, you know, just did. Oh, yeah. 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 But I'm trying to imagine the, uh, okay. No, not pretzels with mustard on them, not peanut butter. Wow. Okay. Good. Bo, ask some questions. I'm apparently <laughs> losing my mind. It's fine. <laughs> Well, let's keep going with food. What is your favorite writing snack? Uh, when I travel to conventions, it's always Fritos. Mm. Um, so that's the only time I let myself have them, though, because it's well, like which it's, which flavor of Fritos? Regular, regular chili? Yeah, just the regular Fritos. Um, normally, when I'm writing, I'm snacking on pistachios. That's usually my go-to. And that gives me something to fidget when I'm like stuck on something. I can sit there and, you know, crack the nuts and, you know, kind of do that. Very cool. What, what is your coffee order? I like yeah. Starbucks. Not hot, hot chocolate. I do not. My wife and I do not drink coffee, either one of us. Mm. So. Hot chocolate is good, though. Yes. So. Hot chocolate can be very, very good. Yes. So good. Especially at Starbucks, they have really good hot chocolate. Yes, they do. Especially it, around the holidays when they do the salted caramel mm. um, hot chocolate. That's to die for. I love their peppermint hot chocolate. Yeah, that's that pretty good. Really good. I love that you guys have gone off on a hot chocolate tangent. <laughs> so if we're on a hot chocolate tangent, do you like the Mexican hot chocolate with the, the spicy? Have you had this? Yeah, not from um, Starbucks. It's not a Starbucks thing, but... No, we actually went to Mexico in 2022. And so we got to try it from a street vendor. So that was really nice. So yeah, it was pretty yummy. Yeah, I like the spiciness of that hot chocolate. Well, especially with that really rich chocolate. It's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Okay, what about, um, what is one of your writing, uh, like Achilles heels or ticks? What is something you do that your editor is like, Hey, you need to stop doing this. Uh, other than the lack of internals, usually it's I tend to use the word either so or just. And each book is different. So normally the way I talk, I always say so. So I write that way and then I have to go back and take them out before I send it to them. Um, or I do just in my on this last book, my proofreader's like, you have 86 just in this book and it's 200 pages <laughs> you need to remove half and I was like yes ma'am <laughs> so, oh my um, gosh I, I think we're all guilty of that kind of thing mm -hmm. um, what about uh if you could travel anywhere in the world cost is not an issue time's not an issue where would you want to go Ireland I am going there on Friday 
Yay! <laughs> I'm super but, excited. It's that's been on my list for a really, really long time is to go out there and see Ireland. I will say um, we went to Mexico last year, and I was not that was not on my bucket list, and we had the best time. And we went out to uh, Chichen Itza. And it was 70 degrees out and overcast. And the tour guide's like, this never happens. He's like, we are always standing under the shade because it's so hot here. And so we just wandered around. It was 70 degrees. It was lovely. So that was that was a great trip. But I really would like to go to, to Ireland. Um, most of my family is Irish or Welsh. So I would like to go and see it. Very cool. Mine too. I get it. Okay, Bo, I'm going to give you a question. Then I'm going to do the wrap-up question. What is a genre that you haven't written, but you would like to? Um, well, my next one is urban fantasy. So I've written that, but that hasn't come out yet. So that's my, that's the Nexus, which is coming out next year. That's, that's the one I really wanted to get into, um, was doing urban fantasy and doing something a little different. But you already wrote it. So what? What is one that you haven't written? That was her question. Yeah, I know, but I've written most of them. <laughs> we know you don't want to write horror. What about romance? Have you written? I don't want to. I don't want to write romance either. Um, Historical fiction, crime thriller. Like, I would probably do a mystery. So that'll probably be my next one. Will be will be mystery. Um, do you have a story graveyard? That's not my final question, but I'm just curious. Do you put like ideas that you start going down and then you're like, you know what? I'm just going to move this file over to here and start again. Yes. <laughs> so I have a story graveyard of like um, the original version of Stormforged had all these flashback scenes that I took out because it was awful, um, but they're all stuck in the story graveyard. But then I've got all these books and short stories that I started that I never kind of went back to. And every once in a while I look through them, I'm like, oh, that was a damn good idea. Oh, so, so. I'm like, no, <laughs> too many worlds already, stop. So um, yeah, so I, I, I start and stop a lot um, with different story ideas. And I think sometimes you just need to write a couple chapters to just get it out of your head. And then you go, eh, not, not that great. Or, you know, I'm not really enjoying that or I don't have a good, feel for this so I just kind of orphan it and and go um and go off and do something else very cool okay so my final question before shameless self-promotion time can't believe we're through our hour here uh is if what character would you like to see somebody cosplay in your books would you be so thrilled if they walked up to the table dressed as that character Yelsey from uh Never Steal from Dragons my pixie thief so she, okay. she is my favorite. So. Okay, fans listening out there, the, the gauntlet has been thrown. That would be awesome. And if that happens, Patrick, or when that happens, I should say, I want a picture. I want to see what that's like. I will like. send you a picture. Yes, so, that yeah. would be amazing. Okay, yeah. shameless self-promotion time. Where do people find you in your books? So the easiest way to find me is Linktree slash Patrick Dugan. Um, so I put all my links in one place so that it's easy to find. So that's my newsletter. I gave away books every month, uh, cute pictures of my dog, Blaze. Um, you know, all my audiobooks are linked there. All my physical books are, you can go to my website and order signed books. So everything is in one place. So it's Linktree slash Patrick Dugan will get you where you need to be. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast.
I can't Absolutely. believe it's been an hour. I know. I was like, okay, only because I get yelled at if I go over time by my producer. It's fine. It's- <laughs> you don't want to get yelled at by the producers. I you you really don't. You no. don't. Um, okay, so this has been Drinking with Authors, everyone. I have been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing Bo Lake. Do not forget to like, subscribe, review, hit all the buttons. You're listening to us now. There's buttons to be hit. And our guest has been Patrick Dugan, and we will see you next time. <laughs>